Well, thanks, Chris. I don't know how to follow that exactly. Um, here to preach on Isaac or uh, Jacob and Esau, and how can you compete with that? She had like legitimate twins doing that one. That was pretty cool. Um, before I get into this morning's message for us, as we explore this story in depth, I want to draw our attention to today. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, how many of you guys going to a Super Bowl party later? Having a good time? Good. On the Super Bowl commercial, my favorite part of the Super Bowl, mostly because the Vikings are never in the Super Bowl, um, is the commercials. I always love the commercials. And we are partnered with a group that's called He Gets Us. And it is the largest advertising campaign on behalf of Jesus ever created. And um, it's uh, this guy, Ed Stetzer, who's a very prolific uh, author in the world of kind of Christian thought. He writes for several different magazines, has been kind of spearheading, has been the face of this. And um, we've, been, we've been partnered with them. And so what happens when a He Gets Us ad appears is that a He Gets Us ad appear, there'll be two of them in the Super Bowl today. And when it appears, there'll be like a link or a place that people can go to online if they ever have questions, if they have like something that resonates with them about Jesus. And what happens is that anyone in a vicinity, I don't remember exactly how far it is, of here, when they do that, it pings to one of our phones that, that we actually get to answer and, and respond and have conversation. Actually, it's Pastor Sam that gets to answer today. So Sam, wherever you're watching the Super Bowl, have fun. <laughs> but what's important about this is that our mission as a church is to connect all people to a growing relationship with Jesus. We come here on Sundays because we come and we worship God together but then we get filled up and we get energized for the mission that God's called us to out there. You're all gonna be at Super Bowl parties or doing something today. Pause and just, when you see the ad, maybe just say a prayer for the people that are watching it who don't know Jesus, who don't have a relationship. Or um, the beautiful thing about He Gets Us is it really focuses on how Jesus understands our human condition. He understands the brokenness that we all live with and that we all walk with and that he brings grace and truth into that. And so maybe be praying for whoever might see that ad and need to know that God is for them. The reason why we're doing this whole series on blessing and cursing is because the Bible helps us understand that really the blessing is God's heart for all of humanity. That God wants to come and be near us, be with us. That from the beginning of the story of the Bible, God blesses us without us doing anything. And if you remember from a few weeks back, Sam likens this blessing as seeds that he puts inside of us. That God's blessing in Eden is, in Eden is to uh, grow and multiply life. And Jesus says something similar. He says, later on, he says, uh, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to bring life, super abundant life. That in fact, God's presence with us is designed to create an overflowing of spiritual, physical, emotional life in us. That we are called to be a little bit of heaven wherever we go. And we see that in the first pages of the Bible when God articulates the first blessing. But we don't need to go far to see that there is also a curse. That when we choose 
to try to chase blessing on our own, when we misunderstand blessing and when we, when we go down paths that God didn't have for us and we say, God, I'm gonna push you away and God says, okay, I'm gonna let you have it your way, we experience what's called the curse. And that curse is this separation from God and this brokenness that pervades everything in the world. And yet we see these glimpses of heaven. We see these glimpses of beauty all around us because God has not given up on the world. That despite the curse, God wants to be present. And so we go through the story and we see, you know, we see that um, God blesses uh, you know, um, Adam and then Adam gives that away for a piece of fruit and chooses the wrong path. And then we see God tries again with Noah and he carries this blessing with Noah and then down through the line and humanity kind of makes fools of itself and kind of goes to the curse every single time. But then he chooses Abraham and says, look, despite all your faults, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna be with you. And sometimes Abraham like responds well and the Bible says, hey, um, Abraham believed God and they credited it to him as righteousness, as doing the right thing. But sometimes Abraham acts like the snake in the garden. He like tries to trick Pharaoh because he's afraid that you know, he'll, they'll kill him because his wife's so beautiful. So he tells his wife, hey, say you're my sister. And he does weird shenanigans like that. And every single one of us, like at different times, we do things out of fear. We do things out of um, hiding. We do things because what, what's happening is that we're trying to chase the blessing for ourselves. That we forget that the way that God blessed Adam was before he ever did a thing, he blessed him. And that blessing is God's presence with us in good times and in bad times. So the story goes on and then we get to this new family that um, Abraham has Isaac, which Isaac's name is Laughter, that's what it means. And then Isaac has, through his wife, Rebecca, has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Now, people named uh, their kids based on things that were happening. So when Esau comes out of the womb, this is Genesis 25, if you wanna do some reading. He's hairy, so they name him Esau, which means? Real, could you imagine if we named our kids that way today? So, by the way, little fun note. My name was supposed to be, from my dad, Ursul Arlo King III. But my mother saved me from a fate worse than death. <laughs> because for those of us who are from the, like, 80s, Ursul is spelled U-R-C-E-L, which, which would be pronounced Urkel for anyone. <laughs> so, anyway, side note. <laughs> Thank goodness my mother saved me by naming me something else. Um, so at least my name isn't Esau, meaning Harry, but Jacob, when he was born, he was the second of the two sons, and he as, he, as Esau came out, there was a hand holding his heel. You see, Jacob means heel catcher, or liar, or trickster. So if your name in this room is Jacob, I'm so sorry, if you didn't know that. Just lean into the trickster side of that name. But Jacob's name is trickster. And they are named based on what happens as they're born. And the interesting thing is like their parents start out on the right track. So where Abraham, his wife Sarah was barren, they got together, even though God had promised they were gonna have children, um, they said, okay, we're gonna fix this on our own. We're gonna chase the blessing. And so they choose Hagar, someone else, to bear the child. But what happens with Isaac is Isaac instead, he prays to the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebekah. You see, we're starting out on the right path. 
Rebecca, when she's wrestling with what's going on in her womb, when she feels the fighting, she inquires of the Lord. She starts out on the right path. In fact, this is, what, this is one artist's rendering of Rebecca, that she starts out on the right path. She goes and inquires of the Lord. And in Genesis, the Lord gives her um, a, uh, a picture of that image, and he says, two nations are wrestling within you the older will actually serve the younger. It's this prophetic statement, this blessing, the carrier of the blessing would be Jacob before he was ever named. And yet, Jacob, his whole life, is how he's gonna try to get the blessing, how he's gonna try to trick his way into the blessing. There's this passage in um, Genesis uh, 25, verse 29, and it goes like this. Uh, We're gonna skip the one that's up next and go two passages after that. Genesis 25, verse 29. It goes like this. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the country, famished. He said, Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. In Hebrew, actually, it's far like more caveman Neanderthal. He says, Adom, Adom, red, red. Give me red, red. And I'm like imagining Esau as like this kind of cavemanish guy. And then it says in the Bible, hence his name was also called Edom. Edom means red, and it has the same letters as the Hebrew word for Adam. And so in Genesis 3, you have Adam giving up his birthright for an, an, a piece of fruit. And now you have, you have Esau giving up his birthright for a meal. He says, Jacob replies, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? And I want to pause because the birthright is the most important thing in the first century if you were a son. You get three things with the birthright. One, you get a double portion of the, of the inheritance, whatever it is. You get the double portion. Two, you also get, with the birthright, you get to lead the family. You're the head of the family. Esau's about to give up being head of the family. And then three, if you're part of the tribe, if your family is the leader of the tribe, you give up being the judge or the leader of the tribe. See, and the interesting thing about this word for birthright, see, this uh, birthright is um, bakara, whereas blessing is berakah. They're the same word with, with two different structures, like connected that this idea of blessing and birthright is connected. And for us, I think we forget that the, the blessing that God has for us to be with us comes with a birthright, a birthright that we're all given. And that is to be representatives of heaven. That is to be receivers of life and grace and truth. And that wherever we go, our birthright is to live out of that in such a way that other people get blessed by God through us. But how often are we like Esau? How often do we think, oh, it's not, it's not that important, or like, oh, I need to numb my pain with whatever, or maybe we think I'm not good enough to be the head of whatever, I'm not good enough to represent God, and we'll sell off our birthright. This whole story, by the way, is like an exercise in what not to do. Like, we look at the Bible, and we're like, these Bible characters are so amazing. I'm like, nope, they're, they're morons. <laughs> that Esau is giving up his birthright. In fact, he does not respect this birthright. 
And then later on, he doesn't respect the blessing either. Now remember, Sam talked about blessing as this multiplication force of life, but also really the blessing, the root of that is God's presence with us. And these two things are bound together. And so then it goes on and Jacob says, but swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Man, church, in the exercise of what not to do, like for us today, don't despise our birthright. Like we're invited to so much more than we think we are. That God's promise of blessing, remember going way back to the beginning, has nothing to do with what you do to earn it. It has everything to do with who God says you are. That's the powerful and beautiful thing about God's blessing, which is an example of his grace that these people mess up all the time. Now, the next character I wanna talk about is Isaac. Isaac names mean, means laughter because when his birth was prophesied to Sarah, Sarah laughed in the tent, and the angel says, why are you laughing? Because she thought she couldn't have a kid. Surprise! And so Isaac carries the name laughter. But as he gets older, you know, he and Rebecca could have sat and talked and Rebecca could have said, the Lord spoke to me about our sons, that the, the promised blessing is actually gonna go through our younger son. They could have had that conversation. I don't see it anywhere in scripture. And in fact, they chose favorites. Anyone here like struggle not to choose favorites with your kids? Some of you wanna raise your hand, but you know you can't because your kids are next to you. That, that, that we're drawn to some aspects, right? And that in Isaac's life, he was drawn to Esau because he was a hunter and he was, did you know that Pastor Sam at our New Connections class said that I'm like Esau because I'm hairy and want to hunt and he's like Jacob, but you're hairier than I am, my friend. Anyways, (laughs) side note. (laughs) But he can't hunt. But with Isaac, Isaac in his old age was going physically blind, but also this is an image of his spiritual state that he'd become to be, be spiritually blind, that he was not recognizing the prophet, prophetic move that God was making, that the theme of saying, hey, I'm gonna choose this path and acknowledging that path. I, Isaac had already decided which way it was gonna go. And so now he is set on who he's gonna bless and then this, his wife ends up taking matters into her own hands and tricking him and Jacob participating in it and tricking them. You see, what happens when, when, the, when we begin to resist or to decide for ourselves is that we're more prone to fall into chasing the blessing ourselves rather than receiving it. And Isaac had misconstrued what the blessing actually is. We'll get to that in a minute. The last person I want to talk about is Jacob, Jacob's perspective. I already told you about Jacob's uh, name, heel catcher. In this picture, he had now tricked his brother, and his brother said he was going to kill him because he had stolen his blessing. Actually, it's a great word, it's a great phrase in Hebrew. It's in Genesis 27, verse 36, and it's Esau, and he says this. He says, he is rightly named Yaakov, heel catcher, because he Yaakoved me. He, he tricked me. He heel catched me. And he has stolen my berakah, my blessing, and my bekorah, my birthright. It's this wordplay in Hebrew. And afterwards, he says he's going to kill Jacob once his father's dead. 
And so now Rebecca sends him out. She had just helped him trick um, his dad and stolen the blessing, and now she never gets to see him again. Does that sound like a blessing to you? You see, when we chase our blessing ourselves and don't allow God to do his thing, a lot of times the consequences hurt. Now he spent the night in this valley and God makes a promise to him. Even though he just tricked his brother, he'd done everything wrong. And yet God promises him, hey, I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna bless you. Even though you messed this thing up. And he spends 20 years far away and he gets married, he meets his uncle Laban who out-tricks him. And he gets tricked by Laban and serves for 20 years in Laban's household. And finally, in that time, God says, all right, it's time for you to go. And now he's got 11 sons with one on the way and he leaves Laban. Anyone see those heart necklaces when you're a kid that like have the half the heart and the best friends wear them? It says, Lord be between me and thee while we're apart from one another. That Bible verse. Did you know, like everyone's like, that's my best friend Bible verse. Unfortunately, it's Laban promising not to kill Jacob and Jacob promising not to kill Laban when they separate because they're busy tricking each other. Sorry if I just ruined your necklace. But here's the question. So we see this fallout. Why do we chase blessing? I think there's three reasons why we chase blessing. And Jacob embodies them all and his family. One, we falsely believe that blessing is about money, prestige, or power. It isn't. It never has been. It has always been about God's presence with us, multiplying life in us and through us so that wherever we go, a little bit of heaven, we are God's representatives wherever we go. You ever been around someone who you feel like is truly blessed that way? You just wanna be near them. You just wanna be in their presence, why? Because they reflect God's grace and truth. Two, why do we chase blessing? We chase blessing because we believe that we have to help God in blessing us, like somehow he can't do it. Like we gotta pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and figure it out. But the truth is far from it, that God needs no help. And usually when I try to help God in blessing me, I make a curse out of it. And then three, why do we chase blessing? Because we forget that blessing is rooted in whose we are and not what we do. That when we belong to God, we already have the blessing. Did you know Jacob, his whole life, he never owns his own name. Did you know that? Whenever anyone asks him who he is, when he says, when he meets Rachel, she, he says, I'm your relative. He never actually owns heel catcher or trickster or liar as his name until this one moment at the end of the story. He's running away from Laban. He's made a cutoff. Now he's moving. He's been challenged and shaped by his 20 years serving. He's got this family and he's alone and he wrestles with God. Here's a picture of what that might've looked like. It says this in Genesis 32. It says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see how he's still trying to chase the blessing his whole life. Jacob's trying to chase this blessing. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. The first time Jacob owns his name. First time he recognizes his identity. 
Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, which means you wrestler with God. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel. And he's talking, it means the face of God. See, he walks with a limp the rest of his life. God knew exactly what Jacob needed. He needed to wrestle with him face to face. You see, this image of Jacob having this wrestling match, he makes him finally honest. When we realize that our chasing hasn't helped, but it's hurt, we're finally honest with God. That we can wrestle with him. That what he does when he wrestles with us, when God wrestles with us, he helps us rediscover the identity that he has for us, not the one we've tried to chase. And then finally, when we allow God to wrestle with us, that we actually learn what it is to receive the blessing, that you don't earn it. That man, there's things in my life that God has had to pin down and wrestle out of me. And sometimes it hurts. Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life. But you know what? There's a good ending to this story. After 20 years of separation, because God had wrestled with Jacob, because he had pinned him down, because he had redefined what blessing really was and helped him see that he'd been chasing this his whole life, that now when he comes and engages with his brother Esau again, instead of Esau killing him, it looks like this. It says that they embraced and that He kissed him, his brother. You see, the beautiful part about this story is while every character does the exact wrong thing, God's grace is more powerful and his blessing is more powerful. So if there's something in your life where you think, man, I've messed up this thing so bad, yeah, you might walk with a limp, but God is gonna dust you off And in the next season of the Bible, in the last chapters of Genesis, Joseph says this, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. See, God is the master at taking all our broken bits and pieces, scooping them back up, and putting together something even more beautiful. And do you know what that's called? Blessing. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we've tried to chase the blessing even though we've been blessed the whole time. And God, we pray that when we try to chase it, that you'd stop us and wrestle us down and remind us of your grace again and again. Lord, we lift up everyone today watching the Super Bowl that even though they might not know it, they're wrestling with you or wrestling with something in their life. Lord, we pray for these ads as simple as they are, that they might spark a conversation or something in people's hearts. We pray that wherever we go today and the rest of the week, that you would use us to be carriers of your blessing. That as we come into contact with other people, that your blessing, your presence, would pour out of us onto other people and that you would use us to love like you love and serve like you serve. And so God, whether we face struggles or joys, as we praise you, fill us with your spirit so that the world might see in us your work and your redemption. In Jesus' name, amen.